Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. All right, we're back again. Conversations mm-hmm. about light. Welcome, Josh. Welcome, Mark. Good to be here. Good yeah. to be here. What's um, what's been on your mind lately, Josh? Oh, my mind runs from so many things. Yeah, <laughs> runs from so R- runs from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whenever I have a thought, I run away. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. must have a very active and healthy mind then. Sometimes um, I'm also <laughs> accused of, of uh, not being responsive and not thinking much at all. So it's just <laughs> caught between the two, right? <laughs> the tension of the two. And, and yourself, Mark? Uh, I feel the opposite. I feel, I feel my mind is running with so many things. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> too, too many to um, try, grab one. Yeah, too many to try, grab one. I think um, th- there's been an interesting... Lots of questions I've been praying through for a, a number of years. It feels like all these kind of a- answers to them are starting to kind of poke their heads out of the soil. Mm. And uh, my mind's racing with what kind of God is showing and revealing. Wow. And and so it's wonderful, And it's but, it, but it's also it, it's taking a lot of time to reflect and think and yeah. figure out. So if anyone needs answered prayers, they can come to you or jesus <laughs> probably go to jesus yeah that I was choose. a loaded question you, you <laughs> answered <I> right <laughs> i choose b <laughs> all right well <clears throat> let's dive into um today's text this is a reading from luke chapter 19 verse 1 through to 27 he entered jericho and was passing through and behold there was a man named zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was rich and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. As they heard these things, He proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten miners and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your miner has made ten miners more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. 
Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your miner has made five miners. And he said to them, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your miner which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the miner from him and give it to the one who has the ten miners. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten miners. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Two quite interesting interesting texts, both really insightful and have a lot to um, offer. What, what do you guys notice within them? Yeah, I think uh, in, the, in the first story you see a well-hated person. <laughs> and so that's interesting to note that he's, he's um, an outsider, right? And uh, Jesus is coming towards him. And I think that's just, again, Luke's kind of looking at, at people, how, how do they respond to Jesus? I mean, the rich, the rich ruler we had before this was rich and well-liked. This is an unliked person and, and God's kind of rest, story of rescuing, rescuing him. I think that's just beautiful to see that in Jesus. Mark, anything in that first story? Yeah, the, I mean, I like, I like what you said. The rich, the rich guy that everyone thought was righteous and good can't find his way to Jesus, and the rich guy that everyone uh, is uh, is an outcast. Jesus says he's come to save yeah. the lost. Uh, so Jesus is so upside down. Everyone we think is out of his reach is yeah. exactly who he's come to save. And I think also maybe in his own heart he must have felt unreachable, right? He's the it says describes him as the chief tax collector, so he's not. Not just like a mobster. He's like the mobster boss. He's the top of the. He's organizing <laughs> the the kind of removal of uh, funds from Israel and giving them to Rome. And so he's really must have felt, oh, totally. There's no way Jesus would ever come to me. So I think on a personal, like, there's one one thing to say, oh, there's someone there who doesn't know or like Jesus, but then to also feel that personally, mm. which I'm I'm assuming he must have, you know, mm. felt like I'm not. I'm not. There's no way Jesus could ever reach me. Yeah, it's also encouraging that Jesus has come to save short people. <laughs> it, this this story reminds me of uh, an old guy who's no longer alive today, old theologian, who he had these two comments, which I think are worth trying to remember. The first one was that grace outdoes the law. Hmm. Just think about that. Grace outdoes the law, which means you don't have to focus on achieving the law. If you focus on the grace of God, you will achieve the law. Grace outdoes the yeah. law. So. How that works out is you don't have to say to someone, you need to give 10% of all your income uh, to the church. You don't have to kind of drive that home. Think about Melchizedek. That's okay, but if you can, the way that Paul appealed to the Corinthians, for example, is a better way. Hey, that church needs your financial help. Um, Give to them. Think about how Jesus gave his best for you on the cross and in the same spirit of generosity and grace, pour yourselves out for those people. So grace outdoes the law. Um, it moves our hearts. I think that's why it does. And then secondly, he said, mm. if you walk with the Spirit intentionally, you will fulfill the law accidentally. 
Um, if you walk with the Spirit intentionally, you will, you will fulfill this law accidentally. Both of those things are saying you don't need to focus on the law for righteousness or to please God. What you need to focus on is grace and the Spirit. And I think this story reminds me of that where this Zacchaeus has a real encounter with Jesus. He's uh, saved. His faith is placed in Christ. He's humble, as you said, Josh. He knows that he's beyond saving, and yet by the mercy of God, he's saved. He's so moved and transformed by his encounter with Jesus that grace causes yeah. him to do more than the law. So he says, I'm going to yeah. give away half of my possessions, and I'll, I'll give back to anyone that I've yeah. defrauded four times. And the, the Jews had a legal system for how much you ought to pay back if you've defrauded, and yeah. he's giving back far more. Um, he's outdoing the law, the legal system. He's giving abundantly more than it required of him, and no one's told him to do that. He's just yeah. moved because grace has touched yeah. his heart. I love that, uh, picking up particularly on what you mentioned about no one's told him to do it, mm. which is the complete contrast to the previous parable where Jesus is like, if you follow me, give up everything and come and, and follow me, and the, the rich young ruler is like, no, nah, he's very sad. And he walks away. Whereas here, Jesus doesn't say anything to him. And like you said, grace has moved his heart. He, he voluntarily says, I want to f- give up all this to follow Jesus. And, and it says, the passage says, with great joy. It's like he joyfully received Jesus. So there's a, a complete um, turnaround here. And he's rich, right? I think that's what you were, we were talking earlier before. This, you know, Luke often paints rich people in a difficult situation. Whereas here, it's like he has a rich guy who finds great joy in Jesus. And I love that it's um, Jesus moving towards him as well. So Jesus comes down and says, Zacchaeus, I want to come into your house. Mm. And you think about that, the Pharisees, I think, would have, if they touched Zacchaeus, would have gone and bathed or cleansed themselves because he's you know, the purest of sinners. Mm. Whereas Jesus is like, I don't, I've come and I want to come into your house. And so there's this grace that's coming to Zacchaeus and his response is, I want to give up everything to follow Jesus. That's kind of the incredible picture. And and I love that picture. It's it's one of grace. It's one of, he hasn't kept a single law. You know, the the ritual had kept all the laws, but still was lacking something. He has a guy who's hadn't kept any, probably none of the laws. And, uh, and grace comes to him and rescues him. And that's, I think I find myself in that same, amazing. sorry, just dropped my, my Bible, but I find, I find myself in the same position, right? It's like, wow, God, God, comes close to me and has to rescue me. It's beautiful. Can I ask a question? Go for it. Are you going to ask a question? I was, but you go. Well, I'll ask a question. If you've got a better one, then delete mine and ask yours. <laughs> if someone's listening to this and going, yeah, great, I see that, but I want grace to transform my heart. Like, I want to encounter that. I want to live by grace. So how does someone get engaged with grace, get connected with grace, get moved by grace? If they're saying, my life's an open vessel, pour grace into me. How do I do it? How would you? Well, if you're short, you'd climb a tree. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that's such a bad answer, actually, because if you think about what Zacchaeus is doing by climbing that tree, he's trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is passing by. And in a sense, Jesus is almost always passing by in our own lives. You know, he's always available. He's always like, Jesus is right there. But Zacchaeus is like, how do I see him? And he sort of makes whatever move he can to try and behold Jesus. I know I'm being a little bit parabolic, and I think that's exactly what the Scripture is teaching there, but I think it's, it's right. You know, if Zacchaeus is trying, 
how how can I see Jesus? And that's why he climbs the tree. And I think a disposition like that mm. that goes, how much I know I don't want to ignore Jesus. He's passing by. Oh, that's great. I've got some other stuff going on or whatever. Mm. But Zacchaeus makes whatever move he can to get get near Jesus, and and Jesus, like I said, comes right into his home. You know, mm. and I think. When we take a moment, it will take something to open our door to Jesus or try and find him or he rushes towards that and wants to come in. I think that's part of it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's um, it's true what, what Jesus says. This sort of validates his other words as well where it says, like, seek and you'll find those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Like, he's not going to withhold himself. Mm. And this is true. You can see... Yeah, Zacchaeus was um, earnestly seeking to see Jesus and Jesus made himself known. He, he answered what was on, on his heart. So mm. climb a tree. <laughs> climb a tree. Try, <laughs> yeah. do, do what you can to, to be seen by Jesus. Yeah. It's not that you have to do anything to be seen by Jesus, but I just think that his words are true, that he says if we do seek him, that we'll find him. Mm-hmm. What, what's your thoughts, Mark? I think that's great. I'd, I'd maybe add our perception of ourselves is probably key that Zacchaeus probably yeah. doesn't perceive himself as a righteous man or uh, one, he probably perceives that Jesus should only just pass by. Yeah. And so grace, grace comes, I think grace can come home to him because he doesn't believe he's worthy of it, if that makes sense, without trying to be morbid and get, uh, be down on ourselves. The reality of grace is getting what we don't yeah. deserve and i think zacchaeus yeah. is surprised and overwhelmed and can't believe his luck that jesus would come into his home and and love him and so i think for for me i wonder if it, there's a connection with my my righteousness is going to get in the way of me understanding the grace of god my self-righteousness mm. but what's going to help me understand grace is if i can understand that the sin from which christ has saved me how how I'm an outcast, how I'm lost, and he's come to me. Um, again, not trying to get morbid or down. I don't think it must be depressing. I think it must be uplifting and joyful. But that idea, of, and Josh alluded to it earlier, of you know he's got nothing going for him, uh, and he knows that. And I think that's when grace comes alive, is when we see we've received everything from Christ, but we've added nothing for it. Uh, I love Jesus's response to to Zacchaeus. How he he just says forthright, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. Yeah. <laughs> it's just saying, it's not even asking a question. He's, he's yeah. just, yeah, just accepting him and wants to wants yeah. to be in relationship with him. Yeah. Did you have something to add? Oh, to I was you? just going to add. When Jesus does visit your house, there's there's a complete difference in your life, right? So. He's joyful, and outside, everyone's. It says they're grumbling. Yeah, grumbling. I think in English is onomatopoeic. Is that I said where it sounds like it's like you grumble. You it's like I do that a lot, so I I get it. But I think a great indicator in your own kind of day to day life is how much grumbling am I doing, and how much joy have I got? Can sound up point you how 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 much is jesus in your house <laughs> well for me it's often well he's nowhere to be seen <laughs> it's just a lot of her but um i love i love that when jesus turns up into a space when when he doesn't just pass by but he comes into your home and into your heart into your life there's is a complete reversal i'm imagining zacchaeus was probably sad mm. as a tax collector oh, i've kind of 
gotten to this life where now I'm just everyone hates me. I'm, I'm sure he's not a particularly. I don't know. Don't want to put that on Zacchaeus, but <laughs> I'm sure he didn't have his like a, a great feeling if we're, and everyone's hating you. Um, and so he had a difficult situation, but it's completely reversed mm. by the presence of Jesus, and that's really. Not to put law on us, but I think it's an indicator. I can say some something of a diagnostic. If I'm finding myself grumbling constantly, where 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 is Jesus? Mm. Um, I don't think question. Jesus results in grumbling, right? It results in something else. Yeah, I reckon that brings us to uh, the next part of the scripture pretty pretty well. What do you guys notice within the parable of the miners? Yeah, it's a big one. I, th- I think partly some of that that parable is. Um, salvation's come to Zacchaeus and then Jesus, it says he's heading to Jerusalem mm. and he's kind of, they're really expectant now. Well, this must be it. This must be, And he kind of tells them the story. No, there's this master who's going away and coming back. Be faithful with what you've been left with. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's this kind of another kingdom picture mm. and Jesus just outlining that. We ought to priest in a sense or minister and and be faithful with all that God's uh, given us. I think for me it would be one of the major points of that that uh, mm. that that parable. I mean, interesting coming off the back of that that story where where um, Zacchaeus goes and does something right. I think the book of James would love him. You know, show me your faith with the works. <laughs> there's there's Zacchaeus. Or let yeah, me yeah. show you. I'm just giving away. So he's very in a sense like his heart's been changed and he's been very faithful with all that God's given it. Like what his whole life he's just turning upside down. And then Jesus tells this parable, which is like, be very careful to be faithful with everything God's put in your hands. Yeah, it's a hard parable not to um, start having dark thoughts or dark feelings. <laughs> yeah. But it, it just, it, it is. I mean, it's hard to get around um, because it, I think it does speak to faithfulness and it doesn't, it doesn't um, allow you a lot of room to... I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people that read this and go... Yeah, I'm I'm killing it. <laughs> this is fantastic for me. And I don't know what his disciples would have thought either. Yeah, anyway. I, I think what stands out to me in this in this parable is the multiplication or the goodness of Jesus. Not the darkness, but the goodness of Jesus. I mean, so to not talk about those who are like, well, forget what God has for my life. Forget what God's given me. I'm just going to do my own thing. I, and, and Jesus says, those who rebelled against me, those who don't want me as their master you know, it's a dark ending. But for those who are trying to be faithful with what God has given them, the multiplication here is so shocking yeah. um, where it gives them a minus, so that that's a day's wage. And then the best someone does with it is multiplies it 10 times, so 10 days wage. And then he comes, the master comes back and then gives as a reward 10 cities. <laughs> so I don't know, what's a day's wage? $100. And over a period of a long lifetime, you multiplied that to a thousand dollars, and then the master came back and said, "Oh, you've you've shown so much interest in my kingdom that I'm going to get you to rule ten cities." Wow. Just like Sheesh. what? Like if Jesus was telling a Hollywood story, the movie yeah. would end, and we'd all be like, "That's ridiculous! It doesn't <laughs> even make any sense." Yeah, that's what. That's the kind of tone of this this parable. Is it's it's extreme. What the master returns with is extremely good. And, and in that sense, serving the master is, you can't even say it's worth it. It's immeasurably yeah. worth it. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to read something into the scripture that's not there. So I'd, I'd love to 
get your guys' thoughts on how it uh, talks into partnering with Jesus because it seems like there's that um, like that theme of he, he's giving them something and it's like he wants to have a partnership and even that the, the crazy investment of then giving them 10 cities mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's quite a perceptive question when Jesus asks for an account or the master asks yeah. for an account, they reply, your minor has made. Not yeah. the minor you get, not my minor. Mm-hmm. So in other words, every resource God has given into my life to glorify yeah. him and to partner with him and to advance his kingdom, the reply is, your resource has done this. And yeah. so partnership with Jesus is a great way to think about it, that yeah. the resources, the talent, the time, the skills, the gifts, that yeah. the opportunities that he puts into our lives are there as opportunities, connection points for us to partner with God. Hmm. It's wonderfully kind. I love I love the assumption that you have something to do business with, yeah, you because know, the master's instruction is do business until I return. So the assumption for all of us as disciples of Jesus that God has given us some business to get on with, um, rather than. Sometimes we might feel, oh, my contribution doesn't count. I have nothing to do. Jesus is really pushing, I think, in this parable against that whole idea that uh, you may feel like, oh, I'm insignificant. It doesn't, nothing matters. Mm. Jesus is saying, no, everything's very significant. Whatever God's put in your, into you, whatever talent or gift, whatever time, resources, everything, assume you have business that you can do because otherwise it would be unfair of Jesus or the master to say, conduct business yeah yeah so i guess all of us have business we can get on and if it's as simple as loving caring reaching out uh, being kind yeah we have business let's get on with it yeah it's beautiful i, I heard a guy and i am and i'm nervous of sharing this story because i don't want this i don't want it to sound like the place that we the only place we do business or use our gifts is in the church i, I don't yes. think that i think it's 24 7 neighborhoods yeah, workplaces blah, blah blah so at the risk of sounding like that's what i'm saying i, I was amazed when we when when we got through this story of shrewdness and, you know, think about eternity and live for that. And mm. there was someone at, at King's Cross, and I just won't say their name because they haven't given me permission, but a, a young guy in King's Cross um, listened to that and went, oh, uh, well, I realized that I have some gifts and things that I can do that would help edify King's Cross. And the next Sunday, so six days had passed, the next one they had got themselves on someone's roster to serve in an area of need because they were just like, yeah, God's given me this ability to help out, out others and I want to be a better steward of this ability. Awesome. And it was yeah, just what a wonderful good. response. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I love how uh, both of these texts, Jesus is so intentional, intentional about uh, seeking and uh, intentional about like partnering as well. So we've covered quite a bit of ground here. Going into this week, what's a question that you can leave us with that will get our hearts mm. aligned with the, the intent behind these texts? One question is a curious one for me is, has grace moved your heart? Have you been undone by the grace of Jesus? Or is walking with Jesus still a duty? As Josh said, is there still grumbling? So I, I'm not going to belabor the point, just, just a question. Has grace transformed your heart? Is there life and joy in serving Jesus? And the second question I guess I'd ask is, if you were one of the servants that Jesus was talking to today, what do you think he would want you to hear him saying to you? 
Thanks for joining us today. To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends. Thank you.